Welcome to another edition of the Kaiju Kingdom Podcast. We are your hosts, Jessica Fang. And I am Chris Eaton. Jessica, how are you this week? I'm doing good. I think I finally got enough rest, so I'm all pumped and like wide awake for this podcast. There there is a there is a, a sound of like youthful energy in your voice right now. Uh, yes, until I, we're, but we're recording at like one in the morning. Yes, we know we we know no time, you know, in this in, the, in, in this dojo. There is no night in this dojo. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah. So, uh, so you'll have a very cheerful uh, Jessica who's got her Odin sleep, uh, a Chris who's kind of on his way out because I need to get up for work in the morning, but. Because uh, because uh, we there's just so much to talk about. We had to get a, a show in today, so let's begin with the you know the obvious. So, so the last episode we talked about the the full trailer. Earlier this week, Warner Brothers decided to release yet another trailer. This was the international market trailer, which was cut. Uh, actually, I think a fair bit better in many ways than the uh, than the domestic trailer we got. I know, Jessica, you saw. What did you think? I do think it's a little bit better, also because too many people, and I'm not saying he's like the world's most famous actor, Mm -hmm. but too many people know who Ken Watanabe is, especially if you've been following uh, certain pop culture movies, he pops up, Mm -hmm. you know, if you're a fan fan of Nolan. He's part of the Nolan players. (laughs) He is, he is, and he is in the Godzilla movie. He's Mm -hmm. still this one of the main cast. So in the American trailer, to hear his voice but not see him? Yeah. I thought was kind of odd because mm-hmm. we're not stupid. We know who it is. So when we actually do get to see him talking, it, there, it puts more weight on the words that he's saying mm-hmm. because right after he says it, you see the whole ocean turn and all that thing that's going on. And then you see things fall from the sky or whatever. But um, I do like it because we actually, we do get to see him. And I feel like it is only pivotal for a... Japanese movie to have its Japanese actor show up in the trailer. Yeah, it's they, they at least send the guy a little bit of love. I think he's like fourth billing down in, in the cast. I mean, as far as I know, after Aaron and um, and Brian Cranston, I think he's got like the most screen time, at least uh, character-wise. Yes. Yes, it does. And I think we actually, if I'm not remembering it wrong, you do see Aaron Johnson with Elizabeth Olsen. You do. On the couch. And it's it's like a nice, you know, family moment. Even though, you know, this time next year, everyone's going to be talking about how they're brother and sister, but you're going to see a shit ton of memes. I'm sorry. You know, I'm trying to trying to watch the swearing, but it, it is late. Um you're gonna you're gonna see a, a ton of memes of uh, uh, much in the kin of Star Wars, where you know brother <laughs> and sister incest hard to avoid, and it's just gonna be shots of them from this movie. Yes, yes, and for those who don't know, it's because of uh, the Marvel universe. Mm-hmm. For yeah. those just in case you were not following, it's the exact same people casted 
as Quicksilver and Scarlet Witch. Who are brother but, and sister. <laughs> yes, yes, but obviously in this case, because in all the previous trailers and mm-hmm. all the previous reiterations, we see them separately on the yeah. screen. Like, we see her carrying a kid, or you see her doing something with a child, and she's mm-hmm. looking up in the sky. And then you see him mostly in military uniform. So I don't want to, like, I love spoilers, but I didn't want to spoil too, too much. Mm-hmm. So I try to follow what I can. I didn't know what their relationship was because a part of me didn't want to know because I wanted to be surprised. Mm-hmm. And a part of me kind of wanted to know. Because regardless, even if they never met each other on screen, they can write a story that still makes sense. Yeah. But, you know, now that we see them together on the couch, it's like, oh, I guess they're husband, wife, boyfriend, girlfriend, whatever. Maybe they have a kid together, but they they both look really young mm-hmm. to have a kid together. <laughs> um, however, you know, I mean, there are lots of young couples now. So I guess it kind of helps establish their relationship. Yeah, a little bit better. Well, in the credits, I mean, at least for a brief second. Well, in the credits, they all they both have the same last name, and I do think that it was um, in some of the uh, the notes that were released. Yeah, they that they are married. I mean, ha, I mean, Cran, they would Cranston is is Aaron Taylor Johnson's father in the film, and then Elizabeth Olsen is Aaron Taylor Johnson's wife. So it's a family affair, if you will. See, like I did not check IMDb because mm-hmm. I didn't want to know all the people that were cast in the film in case they were surprise cameos or whatever. Mm-hmm. I mean, if I read them online, then I've I can't unseen. Yeah. I cannot unsee what I saw. <laughs> As Futurama um, says, however, "You've seen it. You can't unsee it." <laughs> yes, that's very true. But with IMDb, I would have to, you know, really go through the list and scroll through and stuff. So I wanted to kind of surprise myself. But there might come a time when April rolls around, and I may just have to just spoil the whole thing for myself and just be like, let's do this. Mm. Well, other aspects, um, they do emphasize a lot more on the, uh, the, the destruction porn, if you will, but it's done very tastefully, um, the, uh, which is what I'm calling the, uh, the, um, the, prepare, the canceling the apocalypse speech, which uh, seems to be like any trailer that we're getting from now on is going to have uh, Brian Cranston screaming like a maniac. Um, you know, how he's not crazy. I think that's going to be the key to any future trailers, much like the uh, Idris Alba speech was for every Pacific Rim trailer. Yes, so, yes, and, it was. And you do, yes. Get the, you do get the tail end, like a shot of him when he's saying, it's like, I'm not crazy, like the look of desperation on his face. But when he's, you know, the, when they're redoing the speech, they show um, the shot of, it looks like a coastal line and just a tail mark, like just the drag uh, mark from Godzilla's tail going into the water. Yes. Which is really awesome because they have a helicopter flying over for perspective. <laughs> the thing's just so damn tiny in the corner, which just, it was just like, ah, oh, that's, that's beautiful. The other thing this trailer does do is give us another glimpse of Godzilla. So instead of, like, the end shot where he's uh, roaring, which is still in this trailer, uh, they give you, like, a nice silhouette, like, a, like a full frontal view, if you will, of him coming into uh, into scene. There's, like, a some lights going off in the background, which is it's a really nice shot. I mean, everybody uh, that, it's, yeah, that watched that, that, at least that I've been paying attention to, loved that scene uh, in itself. And then uh, there's just, like, extensions of, like, other scenes we've seen in the other trailers. It was it Actually, it was, like, both trailers cut together with a with some dusting of some newer footage. And it was just enough to make you really, like, oh, okay, that works a hell of a lot better. And, uh, right. Yeah. Right. And you do, we do see, 
They do hold on, I think, a bit tighter to the shot of the giant Muto flying down into the water. I think mm -hmm. that scene lasted just a, like a half a second longer, which for trailer time, that's a long time. Yes, yes. And, then, you know, you were talking about, like, the tail drag in the water. We got to see through kind of a, gra a grassy field mm -hmm. a destruction path. Yeah. And I've always liked that because some reason I was thinking, is it the American tall tale of Paul Bunyan when he makes the Grand Canyon by dragging his axe? Yes, yes it was. Ground? Yeah, he makes um, the Grand Canyon and then he's responsible for like four or five different like great, you know, natural landmarks. <laughs> you know. Yeah, but I kind of like, it reminded me a little bit of that. Look at that, we're throwing in tall tale American history we learned as mm. children. <laughs> um, there's that. No, and during the American trailer... I always thought, I mean, I pictured it as Brian Cranston giving the whole speech like it's not a natural disaster, you're lying. Mm. I see him telling it to a, like, in a tent or something in front of a commanding officer mm -hmm. of the military. But in this case, he's in a house just, like, talking to somebody, I guess, with, like, really kind of crazy, like, flop hair. And I was like, oh, it's the mad scientist look. He looks like, you know? yeah, he's got that look of uh, a man who has uh, just a severe dysentery problem at the moment. Like, he's just sweating. It looks like he's got to go to the bathroom real bad. Like, he <laughs> maybe he's been going to the bathroom real bad for, for a couple of hours now. Just that, that real, that real, flop, <laughs> the real flop sweat look, which uh, just just adds to the, uh, the, the nice insanity performance. So, you know, it, it, again, I have been... I've been telling people who think oh, the movie's not going to do that great. Well, A, with each passing trailer, it seems like more and more people are interested. But the whole, getting Brian Cranston right now for this movie was like uh, almost a, a kismet. It was just perfect timing because everyone's going to go see the first thing that he does after Breaking Bad. So it's like, oh, hey, it's Godzilla. So we're all going to go watch Godzilla. Um, yeah. So that's about that for that trailer. Uh, you know, they're you know, if you haven't watched it yet, go watch it. I'm I'm not gonna play the uh, the, the 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 sound over because it it's almost the same as the uh, the last trailer. So you just begin a repeat of what you've already heard. Um, oh, in related news though, uh, we got not one but two posters in the last two days. Uh, Jessica, did you get a chance to check these out? Um, I did get a chance to check out the trailers. Um, excuse me, the posters. Mm -hmm. You guys, it is still one something in the morning. Um, I actually really liked and the one that we saw where it's kind of a almost profile shot, mm -hmm. but you got to see more. I mean, you still get to see the spikes on the back, oh, the yeah. plates on his back, but you saw a little bit more of Godzilla's face. Mm -hmm. But like about two thirds down on top of a building is the shot of all the military men shooting out the red flares. Yeah. And to be honest, I think red is a very powerful image. Mm -hmm. Color, it is a very powerful, both a powerful image and a very powerful color. So together, I guess I said the word power image. <laughs> but, um, because that's what most people remembered from the very first teaser trailer, mm -hmm. is the whole weird, you know, the whole speech inside of the, the aircraft, and then they jump out, and they go down, and all you see is red. Then people remember them shooting in the next trailer the red flares into the sky and then that's when you saw I would only say the wall of Godzilla's side yeah. of his body move with maybe a thigh I'm not so sure 
However, people remember the red. Well, they so do. Well, hey. people really love they really love that because they thought mm-hmm. it looked so great. And like you said, it looks like a beautiful painting. Mm-hmm. I guess the type of the background, and that's what the current poster looks like. Yeah, it's a lot of red. A lot of a lot black. of orange too. And a lot of orange, yes. Which is a, which is apparently uh, someone did a um, a comparison of like uh, posters for big movies from the last. Uh, like five or six years, and that the orange and red motif seems to be like a big standard amongst them. And I guess it's because, um, uh, I guess there was like a study that the human eye, re- you know, remembers colors uh, a lot more than other colors. And I guess red and orange were like amongst like ones that really kind of just like dig deep into the psyche. Yes, and even if, you know, throughout history and certain communism, mm-hmm. uh, colors is red, and also in The Matrix, the woman in red. Uh, that's true. You know, uh, when, the when they walk by, so, yes. <laughs> Were you listening to me, Mr. <laughs> Anderson? Back all kinds of money. Were you paying attention uh, like to now- the woman in red? <laughs> yes. What? Yes, Look now again. we're bringing back all kinds of memories. <laughs> mm-hmm. But yeah, yeah, so the red is really big. So I think it was a Thing to do. Actually, I would say that this poster is probably even more epic than the uh, than the last poster. You know, of um, not not the one that was released like the day before, which is just like the repurposing of um, of the back end and the tail inside of you know uh, just a destruction scene of uh, San Francisco because uh, they used that image in one of the early um, marketing materials after Comic Con. But uh, the one where it's just Godzilla's back and you see the um, the the halo jumpers coming down. I think this one works a hell of a lot better. And uh, it's just the just kind of like just the profile view. It's it's again it's in the uh, the final wars kind of stance for that poster. If again just look it up if you don't know what I'm talking about. But it just it also just reeks of something like the, there is going to be some some just you're not ready for for what's coming. It's just going to be just a mountain of badass ready to slap you in the face. Right. <laughs> yeah, but no, I really, really like the, uh, really like the posters that have been coming out. Just means so far, I haven't seen one where I didn't like. No. Where and... I was like, Mm-mm, not going on my wall, but I'll take the other one. Yeah, I mean, uh, for the most part, you know, they've, they've been, they've, um, they've still been coy about showing his, you know, his full face, but I think it's all being done on purpose, and it's not done to the extent of what the. Uh, the Sony movie, at least, uh, never did, where you just got a foot and that was it. But, <laughs> <laughs> which I never understood that, like, re- that really showed. It's like, well, we don't have much else going on for this film other than we completely re-des- redesigned him. So, you're gonna have to go watch the movie to go see what he looks like. Now, um, yeah, great marketing ploy, but in the end, I think it kind of bit him in the ass. Uh, right, it's right. Just, so many people were just like, "That's that's it." And we waited a year for that because there was a year from, you know, actually ten months from that first trailer, which was on Men in Black, th- the first Men in Black, to the Memorial Day weekend. So, yeah, and four trailers in between. Yeah, everyone was just like, eh, "Okay." So, at least this way, you know, it, it's at least Legendary's been smart. It's like, yeah, okay, he's gonna look like Godzilla. He's not gonna look like the 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 TriStar one. So. Hey, if you're you're going to pay to see a Godzilla movie, you're going to get to see Godzilla, which uh, right. good on them. Um, oh, and before we uh, we cap off on that, uh, I don't know if you heard uh, the news that came out today. Thomas Toll, uh, head of Legendary Pictures, 
uh, he was doing a uh, some uh, some press work, and uh, someone had asked him about the status of uh, Pacific Rim Two. Did you hear about this? Mm-hmm. They said that here's to hoping it looks looks promising. Hopefully, looks very promising because he did bring up um, other franchises, and I put the air quotes. I know you can't see him. Uh, he compared uh, he compared the opening of uh, Pacific Rim to Fast and Furious, uh, to the Batman series, which they were also responsible for, and there was one other one I don't have it in front of me at the time. But he was playing. Like, was it well, Man of Steel? It might have been Man of Steel. I'm not 100 percent sure. I don't think it was Man of Steel because Man of Steel did make more that year. But he was basing it on, on like original, you know, or first timers. Right. So as he put, he's like, "Well, look, uh, we made Batman Begins." And that did like 287 million worldwide, and then we did the Dark Knight, which made a billion dollars worldwide. So you know, Pacific Rim, out of like all of our stuff, especially considering it was original, it's you know it did fairly well worldwide, 400 million. That's nothing to gawk at. So that says that you know I think I think if Godzilla does exceptionally well, which I it looks like it's tracking very well, uh, that they're gonna at least reconsider. They'll at least consider doing more stuff with Pacific Rim, whether it not be part two, that's that's up in the air. But, uh, I again, I'm not holding out hope for Guillermo del Toro returning to direct. He'll probably be in a producing way. Because he's got, like, still four or five things lined up that, that he says he's going to do. And I think one of those is still the Justice League dark film, if that ever, you know, really comes to fruition. Uh, I hope so. I look forward to seeing a Justice League Dark I, film. And honestly, I would rather see him do Justice League Dark than come back and do Pacific Rim 2. I, 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 Pacific Rim is one of those, now that he set the the universe up, it's now you can send someone else in the, who's capable to kind of take the ball and run with it and you know add their exactly. own little things. Exactly. And we've already seen what he is capable of doing mm-hmm. with Pacific Rim. So I would like to see that same capability over to a Justice League Dark film. Yes, because you know he's going to do something really awesome with Constantine and Deadman and uh, oh Swamp Thing and Zatanna. Like that—that's just that movie was tailor made. That that property was tailor made for him. And the whole fact yeah. that it came out of—I think it was like a—it was just a made-up online rumor that actually took you know some sort of life. If I'm not, if I'm if I if I'm correct. Because I think someone brought up that he was going to do that movie, and then he said, uh, I don't know what you're talking about. And then, like, three days later, he's like, well, you brought up a good idea, so I pitched it, and Warner Brothers said, okay, well, let's see how you do with these next couple films and where Superman goes. And, yeah, there, there's no reason we can't do it. Now, yeah, I didn't follow it like that through, mm-hmm. like, a rumor bill. I waited. I didn't see it until he actually announced it or he wrote something about it. Mm-hmm. Um, because I want to take that a little bit more as belief, as yeah. truth, I guess I would say. But um, it, that would be great, you know, if he got like a fan reaction and he pitched it and they were like, you know what, actually, that kind of clicks. Yeah. yeah, we'll see where it goes. I'm pretty sure you put it, it's like, what are you guys doing with these characters anyway? Let me do something. Give me like a modest $80 million budget. I could work wonders. <laughs> Give me the budget of two Veronica Mars, <laughs> and um, we're gonna we're gonna crab out something great. <coughs> yeah, except this one you don't need to uh, invest in a Kickstarter for. That's true. So that's true. Well, yeah, hopeful for Pacific Rim two of some sort. I, I honestly want um, 
I would love to see them do an animated movie of it, maybe in an anime, you know, style. But ha you can at least get everyone to come back to voice it. Like you could do a prequel film and do like you know the the whole kaiju war the stuff we didn't get to see. Is it like an animatrix style? Yes, like you could do several. You could show like the early years of uh, of Stacker inside Coyote, uh, Coyote Tango, you know, taking on uh, kaiju's. You could show. You know, the rise and fall of, uh, what was, oh god, what was it? Oh, Tactic Ronin. Because a lot of people, would, like, saw that design. They're just like, what, what, let's see some more of that. We're going to have to do an episode dedicated to the original script one day, because I have it, and it is fascinating beyond belief. Just, you know, what stayed and what changed. And the fact that Tactic Ronin was, like, was the striker Eureka of that original script. So... Put that down as uh, something to do later. We'll we'll, we'll talk about yeah. that at a later date. Um, yeah. So other news. Jessica, remember a couple? Uh, did we did we talk about enormous on the podcast? You know, I don't remember because there was a there was that gap in between there. You know, I'm not so sure, but I think now is a best time than never to talk about it if we didn't touch upon it in the past podcast. All right. Well, uh, give the good people a, uh, a quick recap of what Enormous actually is. Enormous is actually a graphic novel mm -hmm. um, that talks about kind of something has happened to our world, mm -hmm. and it's every creature we know now is monstrous, hence the title Enormous. Mm -hmm. So if you actually go, to, if you look up Enormous comic on Google you will go to the actual comic book site and it'll show you quick glimpse and galleries of like a giant bat, a monstrous insect, basically creatures that we are very familiar with, whether it's from the local zoo mm -hmm. or biology class, but now they're in a very, very large format, a grotesque format. And you find out what's actually happening to the people, to the humans, and what we find very interesting is the main character, her name is Ellen, mm -hmm. straight, regular, I mean, straight-haired beauty, whatever. She's actually a lesbian, mm -hmm. and her partner, her girlfriend, is Megan. And then, of course, there's surrounding characters. So she is one of the more prominent <laughs> characters where she represents the LGBT mm -hmm. community. However... Uh, with that being said, a lot of it that's really great is the feedback is people are actually more interested about the comic, the storyline, the Walking Dead-esque of it, than the fact that the lead character is, is a lesbian. Because some people will make a big deal out of something that shouldn't be. Yeah, but that's, people that's, actually... it's a bit of a dying art, I think, too. I think just to, to raise ruckus about something that a lot of people just kind of go, eh, to anymore is just, you know, it's... In like ten years, that's 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 gonna be completely like out the window. Nobody's gonna really get you know give a crap. Yes, yes, and it's actually done really well. So it was done, you know, people accepted the character of Ellen and mm -hmm. Megan and all the wonderful characters. It was done in kind of a one shot. It's actually coming back as a continued series starting mm -hmm. this June, I believe. Okay. If I am remembering the timeline correctly, which counteracts a great point because when they interviewed when several comic book news sites, top media, pop culture sites interviewed the, you know, creator and the artist, they said, you know, this is great because we are kind of in the wind of movies like Pacific Rim and Cloverfield and 
various films, and a new Godzilla movie is coming out, mm. this is a great time than any to do it because the trailer that Chris was speaking of is a machinima, mm-hmm. wonderful site, had backed it and are now hosting, if not showing the exclusive kind of webisode. They're all live action, yeah. mind you guys. So this is live action, it's not a motion comic. So it's their live action webisodes, and they started, Chris had talked, you know, offline when we were getting ready for the podcast, you guys, is uh, the first episode premiere today. And so, you know, from there, we, we were actually going to talk about the trailer so you guys are kind of prepared so you guys might know what you guys will expect from the webisodes. And I think it's a great idea because it's something where, you know, if you don't have the budget to make it into a film or, you know, a network isn't going to pick it up because there's so many, there's only so many days mm-hmm. and time slots in a week. You know, a webisode is great because that hits millions of people at once and it was something that the creators were very proud of because they were like in our comic the budget is just paying the artists and the writers we don't need a hundred million dollar budget to show a ginormous kaiju just going through a building and it was so well received and it was so you know well loved and it was pitched really great that that's how it got its start as a web series which I thought was a great idea because there are several, you know, movies. I think District Nine and a few others that started as fan films or webisodes. They were, uh, and then it got picked up. Yeah, they, into they were larger or student film or something, and yeah. then it got picked up into something larger. Yeah, there was like a whole like, um, like from like oh nine to like oh oh eleven. There was like a, a slew of like um, online shorts that got turned into uh, like big screen versions. District Nine was one of them. Um, uh, oh, nine! The actual movie about the about the little dolls that came to life—that mm-hmm. was one of them too. The original was actually far darker than what the uh, the movie turned out to be too. But it was it was brilliant because it was all like a silent film, just just about you know this little doll fighting this this creepy cat skeleton thing that was like stitched together with a bunch of like steampunk parts. So um, yes, so the trailer came out uh, about a week ago. Uh, right after we recorded the last episode, so we didn't get a chance to talk about it. Uh, it gives you just the uh, the basic rundown of uh, the concept, which is it's essentially to 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 boil it down to its to its core. It's Walking Dead meets Cloverfield. Am, am, am I being apt with that? Yeah, yeah. I mean, even in the even in the uh, interviews or the way people describe them, they call it Walking Dead S. Yeah. Um, as for, you know, yeah, I would say Cloverfield. Mm-hmm. Yep. So the pilot, so the, the, the trailer actually kind of, you know, sold it on, on that concept. Uh, it's, it seemed a little hastily cut together. I mean, they're really, Machinima is kind of pushing it, uh, as you know, this is like our next big thing, literally, you know, <laughs> the, 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 the title be damned. It's literally where this is going to be our big thing. Um, reading up on it though. It looks like it's not. It hasn't gone to series yet. Like the only the pilot was done, and um, the pilot that came out today is only like nine minutes long. So you know, which is actually kind of long for a web show, uh, considering that they their their major platform is uh, YouTube, and YouTube only allows like ten minutes, ten to twelve minutes for you know 
uh, an average uh, account, unless you got like the super paid account that allows you to do like those hideous ten and a half hour loop music videos of you know, hey, they're taking the Hobbit's Tizengard for nine hours uh, in in length. So <laughs> um, let me gather my thoughts here again. I'm a little tired. Uh, so uh, the trailer, yeah, it sells it on that. Sells it on the fact that it's also written by the guy that uh, the, the the screenplay for the pilot was written by um, uh, Andrew Overndell, who's the guy that made Troll Hunter, a fantastic movie. If you have not seen it, it's on uh, Netflix. Go watch it. It's actually it would be right up to any Kaiju Files alley. Um, but he wrote it, and uh, it's directed by a guy named Ben David. Uh, Grabinski, I think I'm saying that right. So you just uh, so I, I watched most of it earlier before uh, before we got on. It's it's pretty decent, you know. It's it's about what you would uh, expect of acting of um, a web show, um, and the effects are all right. I mean, clearly it's done on a uh, minuscule budget. Uh, you get to see uh, one you know, kaiju-esque creature towards the end. You know, they, they do leave it open. They give you just the basic rundown, you know. It's pretty much that they focus a lot more on the Walking Dead aspect of where the people are more bastards than the, the actual giant monsters that have kind of destroyed the world. So it's kind of like humanity boils down to, you know, it, it just a, a bunch of uh, a-holes running around and, you know, screwing, like, stabbing each other in the back just to survive. And there's, like, the one or there's the few, the group of people still trying to do some good. While uh, you know, to keep that that bright spot of humanity alive, while giant monsters are running around. Um, right, right. Okay, uh, I'm sorry. Were you gonna say something? No, I was <laughs> just gonna um, add, just in case people were wondering, mm -hmm. the person who created this whole giant monsters destroying all things story is a Tim Daniel, mm -hmm. and that the series will be picked up in comic format. Uh, May 2014, mm -hmm. um, because it was released before as a one-shot by Image. Yeah. But now, you know, with the whole web series coming and Godzilla, Pacific Rim, The Mist, all that, um, it will be now released through uh, 215 Inc., mm -hmm. 215 Inc., so you guys can go and Google that. But, yeah, Tim Daniel is the person who, you know, began creating uh, Enormous, and he is very proud of what he's done. I think he's gotten he's gotten pretty good reviews on it. Well, I I've yet to, to I've looked at some of the art for the comedy arts. Great. I haven't really got a chance to read it cuz turns out it's not exactly the the one shot's not that easy to track down right now. I've uh, looked up a couple of comic stores like, "Yeah, I don't even know what the hell you're talking about." So I'm pretty sure uh, if it's going to series the one I it, did you say the one shot's getting re-released? Uh, yeah, well, it's more like the series is continuing. Okay. So, so whatever they, that's the, what it is. the plot they set up will be continued on with the new series. I think what people should do is contact 215 Inc. Mm -hmm. Or if you're looking for something in that, well, obviously let your local retailers know. Mm -hmm. Or you can just email or contact Image Comics themselves because a lot of them, a lot of places may have back issues or they may have issues that they haven't sold. And they would be willing to find some way to communicate with you and get that to you. Any comic store, you know. Uh, yeah, yeah, I'm just about to say any comic store worth its salt would have good. It has a good back issue uh, catalog. Yeah, 
but um, yeah, I've been I've done back issue cataloging, and also I've gotten straight through the publisher, unless they're DC Marvel. Yeah, they're very <laughs> large. You'll find their stuff everywhere. Yeah. but I'm saying like if it's like a Dark Horse or in, I mean or IDW or Top Cow, sometimes if a retailer for whatever reason just can't get it, and mm. you don't want to pay eBay prices, sometimes you know they have great customer service. And independent publishers are willing to kind of work with you. Because, you know, every fan counts. Every yeah. reader Oni, counts. Oni is like that. Uh, they, they, they're they real good like that. The only problem is, though, some of their... Like, I was looking for uh, James Stoic's uh, wonton soup. And they're just like, yeah, we don't have that anymore. So, But I think because of the, the popularity of his work taking off again, especially after his Godzilla run, I, I do believe they're reissuing that series. So I'm very giddy because I only have Volume 2, and I've been wanting to read Volume 1 uh, for a long time now. Yay! Which uh, Yay. We, we need to talk... That's another That's another episode. We need to talk about that that uh, that comic series. Because, yeah. oh, yes, God, it was so good. It was so good. Uh, so anyway, yeah, uh, right now from uh, uh, back to Enormous, uh, from what I'm reading, uh, depending on the feedback of the pilot is whether or not Machinima plans to um, continue forward with the series. Uh, they, uh, they're they working on a Halo series I know right now. I know Machinima's really kind of gearing up to be one of the, like, the forerunners of... Um, of online, like, original series. Think of, like, a, a micro version of what Netflix is doing right now, or say... I was going to say Netflix Junior for the internet. Yeah. Baby Netflix. Or Amazon Prime. They're actually using Amazon Prime's um, mode of determining pilots that go to order. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, for, from what I know, Amazon Prime, they get eight or nine pilots, and they have them made, and then they throw them out there, and they're like, okay... Uh, just watch these and, you know, leave us feedback, and then based on your feedback, we will move forward. That's how the Zombieland pilot got squashed out of, out of existence, <laughs> because they put it up there, and everyone just took a massive, just turd on it, and they're, and I remember poor Rhett Reese, one of the writers, he just, he went on, the, the day that Amazon said, yeah, there's, no, this isn't happening, He's, he said, thanks everyone, you hated Zombieland out of existence. Yeah, because he was so he was so up on the show. He's like, oh man, we got look. It, I know it's not Jesse or or you know Woody and all these guys, but look, the, it's the characters. They're all back. I mean, because you got to remember, we originally envisioned this as a as a series for CBS, so it's finally coming to fruition. And then that pilot came out. I didn't get a chance to watch it myself, but everyone I talked to was like, yeah, it is not the movie whatsoever. So and just it just a shower of hate came at it just like a bunch of like ninja stars in the night just all into it, <laughs> all into its chest until it fell over and then one <laughs> then one sigh raft style into the head just to make sure that you know it never came back oh i felt so bad but yeah it is it is a fat it is an, an interesting way though to get um pilots out there because if you know if you don't know how networks run networks what they do is they order pilots they give, you know, the show like $2 million or $1 million to produce the pilot. Animated pilots usually run, you know, anywhere from 8 to 15 minutes, and a full pilot's like 22 minutes for like a live action show. Or like if it's an hour, it's 40 minutes. And pretty much only the people at the networks get to watch these things, and then they'll look at it like, yeah, no, nah, we're going to pass. And those, unless someone sneaks into the archives and releases them, those never get out. 
And you just think, it's like, why would you spend so much money on something and then not bother to release it? At least for people to look at it and decide. Amazon took the obvious and has have moved with it, and Machinima's doing the same thing, and it's actually pretty brilliant. So um, I did post the, the pilot on our Facebook page. So if you want to go watch it when after you hear this, go check it out there. If you haven't, uh, let's just give it a chance. It's it's not it's not too bad. It has potential, but it needs uh, it needs I think it needs a little time to blossom. The, the, how how close is it to the to the uh, production quality of Asylum film? Are we talking about? Oh, I would say at least it's a little bit better than than, than Asylum. The <laughs> the act the acting's all right. The acting's very middle ground. I mean, it's you know these are. You know, they're they're people who have actually been in films and stuff before, but it's also it also feels very, just you know, a little tongue in cheek. But you know, they, again, these these are people who probably aren't going to win an Academy Award anytime soon. So they're just going it's like, eh, this is what Walking Dead's doing, so we'll just kind of follow suit. Uh, the kaiju that they do show at the end, like the effects are, are far better than what Asylums usually are. Uh, it's a big gillman looking creature that you know shows up at the end but uh you know just the mm, about minute and a half it's on screen it, it's not too bad like you look at it it's like oh, okay you know i think depending on the the uh, avenue of which you see something it always gives you like uh it always gives it a curve of how you judge it so whenever i'm looking at something made for online I'm like, okay, well, it's not, you know, they don't have the money that, say, you know, a, a television, you know, network would have. So I, I, I give them a little bit of leeway. You know, they, it, it looked like it cost probably like, you know, fifty thousand dollars to make, which is still a lot, but you know, it, they, they may do with what, with what they had. Right, so. right. So yeah, I mean, it's smart that they're doing the Amazon. Time way that also reminded me when the monsters came out, the one with Jerry O'Connell, oh, I think, and like Brian's, Eddie Izzard, and they called it Mockingbird Lane. Yeah, Brian Fuller's that uh, Brian Fuller actually had a lot of hope for that show. Like he was just like, oh my god, it was actually really good. It was really I good. I really liked, and then it never re. And then the announcement came, and Jesse had a sad day. Uh, I, so, poor, I I always feel bad for Jerry O'Connell. He just it's like he never has anything that lasts. Like the last thing that last of any of any sort was sliders, that's been almost twenty is, is, years. Is he the male summer glow? Yeah, I would say he is. I, but at least he's he has a a bit of um, a a, a bit of a humor about it. Cause did you hear about what he did when Shia Bluff went nuts a couple of weeks ago and did that whole uh, like living art gallery thing down in L.A.? No, was it was it? Okay, the Living Art Gallery, I didn't hear. I know the one where he had the paper bag over that, his that, head. That's, that says, that's what, okay, a... yeah, that's what it was. It was the hashtag, I'm not, or I'm sorry. And, okay, so pretty much what you did was um, you, you would line up, you would go into this to this art gallery, and it, on the door said, hashtag, I'm sorry. And then you would grab, like, an item out of a bowl. It would be something from one of his movies, like a little crystal skull or a transformer toy or something like that. And then you would walk into a room, and sitting at the far end of the room, wearing a paper bag that says "I'm not famous" on it, would be Shia LaBeouf. You would sit there, and there'd be like a weird moment of silence, and then he'd be like, "Well, okay, go ask him a question." And you would ask him something, and he would open up, and he would tell you, he would talk to you, and stuff like that. And then when your time was up, you'd get up, and as you're walking out, he would lift the bag to show you that it was actually him the whole time talking to you. You're not being duped. So. Um, Funny or Die, uh, 
podcast host. I forgot his name, but he has a show on the Smodcast Network. It's 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 um, on tip my tongue. I can't remember at, at the moment. Um, but they got together. They're like, oh, th- this is oh, okay. We have to do something. So they rented the space literally right next door to the space where Shia LaBeouf is doing his thing. And they call it oh, Jerry O'Connell. It's like, dude, what are you doing today? It's like, uh, I'm just watching the kids. Can you come down here? We're gonna make fun of Shia LaBeouf. I'm on it. Heads down there. They do the they they within like six hours they have the whole place set up. So while everyone's waiting in line for Shia LaBeouf, they uh, the, like, people start like, hey, you gotta come over here and look at this. So it's it the name of the exhibit was hashtag I am not sorry. You would go in and then you would pick up like a DVD of like Tomcats or uh, or Stand By Me, and you would go into <laughs> you would go into a room where a man wearing a bag on his head would be sitting and you would sit down and you would start asking a question and unlike Shia LaBeouf where he was very, you know, kind of, you know, uh, he held back a bit, Jerry O'Connell would go on about how awesome Jerry O'Connell was and how (laughs) awesome Jerry O'Connell is and how awesome all of his movies are and he would not shut up either. It was, when I heard this, I'm like, "This, this just makes me love this man even more so. Because he was just yeah. he, like everybody that went in. So like, like sometimes he would go on like too long. Like there was one guy that was in there for like a half hour with him. He was just going on about the the filming process of Tomcats and what it was like to work with Jake Busey. <laughs> but then he takes off the bag like halfway through and he's just sitting there talking. And he's just like, yeah. So you know, when I was working on Stand by Me, or when I was working on it, like, and he just has like the biggest grin on his face about doing the whole thing too. So automatically, Jerry O'Connell became one of my heroes. Not for the fact that I love sliders as a child, but just the fact that, that like he kind of knows where he's at in like in Hollywood, and he's not afraid to to poke fun at it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and he got Rebecca Romaine. That he out. did. That he did. Post post Uncle Jesse too, which is a big catch. Yep, yep, and she she seems like a very nice person, and they seem to be really in love with a wonderful family. So they've been together. For I like- was kind of. Eight, almost yeah. ten years now, which is like that's that's like that's a century in Hollywood time. Yeah, so he's got it. He's got it all figured out. Mm-hmm. At least more than Charlotte Booth seems. It seems like. Well, that was really hilarious. I didn't know when you picked up those items. Were were you supposed to just hold them, or were you supposed to chuck them at Charlotte Booth? I think you just hold them, and it would be the conversation starter. I think that's what the idea was. Be like, so you're okay. in Transformers. How was that? And then he would talk about that. He was not afraid of being shot. Is that... I, mean, I that think there was a pat-down like... before you went in. I know they didn't allow cameras. I know the cameras were like a no, so I think they checked for cell phones and stuff like that. Okay, because that, that would be the first thing yeah, the, I would be really afraid of. There's obviously that element of someone just like, you know, I feel like being infamous today. I'm going to go shoot Silent Bluff. That sounds like an idea. And and he's got a paper bag over his mm-hmm. head, so he wouldn't even see it coming. Nope. Um, yeah. I would, <laughs> first thing I thought of. Oh, my God. That's hilarious. But, yeah. So that was our segue from failed pilots. And how pilots are made from Amazon Prime. Go, go, go! Give enormous a, like a little love. It just at least check it out for for the sake of curiosity. Uh, oh, real quick, uh, toys. 
I don't know. Uh, I've been on a hunt for the last couple of weeks since I, I've heard that they've been hitting shelves, but so far, alas, no toy or, Toys R Us in the greater Los Angeles area has broken the embargo of putting out the Bandai Godzilla movie figures yet, even though I see that on a daily basis someone on Facebook posting, hey, I found the giant Jax figure, or I got this already. I'm just like... Just, you gotta just shove a fork in my eye about it every time. <laughs> so, at least the full lineup's been announced. Um, the toy embargo was completely gone, so we know what's coming out. Uh, Bandai has a, f- a very minor few things uh, in comparison to, uh, to what I would expect this film to have. Uh, they have two kind of like mid-sized Godzilla figures. One is the Atomic Roar, or, or yeah, Atomic Roar, where you push the back and he like leans forward, and then like a um, a solid piece of plastic shoots out of his mouth. His like head flips up like a Pez container, and like a solid like piece of blue beam shoots out. So it's it's actually a really cool function, but. You know, posability and stuff like that looks like it's very limited. They have a tail wag, you know, version where it's like, oh, you could set up boxes and knock them over. Um, Then there's the destruction pack, which is what we saw the Muto figure on the first time. There's that. And then there's two uh, little chibi figures, um, which are the tiny, super deformed, cutesy ones. I think that uh, these are, like, right up Jessica's alley. You like that kind of stuff, don't you? (laughs) I was going to, like, squeeze. Yeah. That's all stuff that I like. Mm-hmm. You like tiny, cute, and almost like plush form. Yes, yes. I mean, I love the Jax figures and everything, mm-hmm. but I mean, it's my genetics. It's in my <laughs> it's in my gender and genetics. I'm I got to I must have it. I, I can't speak for other women, but <laughs> I know that I must have it. Well, they got two of the chibi sets. They have one of Godzilla. Uh, I posted one of them on, on the page. Uh, he's kind of looking to the side and roaring got big bright yellow eyes and then there's a muto which they just call like uh, muto and then there's a second set where Godzilla's in a different pose and then you get what they call the wing muto which there's no wings on it whatsoever but there is a slight difference between the two and it just looks like they took the uh, the gray arms to kind of hang over on the, the main muto figure and then those just kind of turn into like uh, appendages for the wings that just kind of shoot out of the back so that's really all that Bandai has to offer right now. I don't know if they they're they're gonna do um, anything in the line of uh, what they do with the classic uh, figures, like uh, the vinyl figures that they you can buy like a Toys R Us right now, which are just almost weird imports of the Japanese uh, vinyl figures, or if they're gonna just even make a regular sized Muto figure to fight with uh, with Godzilla. Because that's the one thing. That George and I, especially George, George, uh, who hosts the uh, the other podcast with me over on uh, on the Realmcast, uh, when it comes to toys, when they release a line, the the biggest um, the, the 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 biggest uh, offender of this stuff is usually Marvel, and when they release something, especially movie related, they never have any bad guys for your good guys to fight. So if you're a kid and you have a Captain America and you got a Bucky. There's nobody... They never release, like, hey, Nazi Soldier 1 or Hydra Soldier 2 or a Red Skull figure. There's, like, nobody for them. So it's like, well, okay, Captain America and Bucky can go have Coke somewhere and, you know, read uh, you know read a paper, but there's, there's like, nothing for them to do unless you're going to mash them up Toy Story style with other stuff. Uh, there's, there's, like, no big, 
big Muto figure so far. Now, that, that doesn't mean they, they don't have one in the waiting in the wings, but I would assume that on your main launch, you're going to have at least something for the bigger Godzilla figures to fight. And nothing so far. So, yeah, just a tad disappointing on Bandai's end. I, I, again, this is just coming from the fact that that's this is all that's been announced so far. Um, the giant Jax figure is out there, and it actually does look pretty cool. Um, did you get to see any more pictures of the, that thing out there, Jessica? Um, I did. Mm -hmm. I did, and I think it's really awesome. From pictures originally, you can't really tell the size unless you put it next to, I guess, a can of root beer or something mm -hmm. like that. However... Now with people holding it or seeing it on the shelf next to other toys, you have a better comparison. It's, it's like hold, and it's pretty big. It's like holding a toddler, pretty much. It is. I love it both in that version. Mm -hmm. Again, I wish it comes in a plush version. <laughs> but you know, I do. I do like it, and it is like actually, holy crap, that is big. Yeah. Uh, what is it? Art, uh, Matt Frank, uh, the artist, uh, managed to snag one, and uh, he took a picture of it up on his shelf of like big figures. So. It's standing uh, to the left of uh, so that figure standing th uh, to the left of the original Mattel Shogun Warrior figure, which was a pretty big figure in its own. And then to the right of that is the Trendmasters American Godzilla, which was they had the the giant Ultimate Godzilla, which I have somewhere, but it's sadly broken. Every time I look at it, I get depressed. Um, which was a huge, big chunk of toy in its own. It was like two foot tall and it weighed like eight, ten pounds, it was, it, it was massive, and it is, if anything that made up for that movie was that figure, that figure was awesome, and this thing towers over that figure, but, uh, yeah, so, oh, also that, uh, you mentioned the Nika stuff, Nika finally revealed, uh, the American line, or the American version of, uh, of Godzilla that they're putting out, um, it looks mm -hmm. pretty much in line of, you know, Nika's usual products, it looks pretty good. Uh, they are going to have a 12-inch one, which is in line with the Pacific Rim figures. So your Godzilla that you get from Nika this June, they said it's not coming out in May, it's coming out about June, July, will go perfectly in line with, uh, with, the, with the Pacific Rim figures. So you can actually have the fantasy mashup. So you can have Gypsy Danger fighting Godzilla, which, uh, which is pretty that, cool. That would be pretty awesome. Mm -hmm. And then they're going to do a 24-inch figure, which is, yeah, far bigger. And price point, uh, the 12-inch, I think, is going to be about 25, which is about average. Or, no, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm thinking of the, the the resale price. They I think they had it at, like, $14.99. And then the 24-inch, I think, is going to be either $39.99 or $49.99, which still isn't too bad, considering... Uh, that the giant gypsy danger figure that they put out was uh, almost ninety dollars just retail on its own. So, but yeah, they they right. they both look pretty cool. The paint job on uh, on the smaller figures, the only one that they uh, they have shown, the larger one still like uh, in a hard copy. The difference is is just in the details, as far as I can tell. the The larger figure has just far more detailing in the uh, just in, like in the in the skin texture and everything. Uh, compared to the little guy, but again, I'm. You know, what am I saying? I'm gonna buy both of them anyway, so my wallet's gonna be very, very hurt. It's just gonna hurt like it just got caned, you know, up until Comic Con. Oh no, Comic Con! If if not 
wise with your money management, you will you will be out. Yeah, there's just oh the the play arts Kai has has so far most of my money when I walk into those doors. I, I there's just so many of those DC figures I gotta get though they make awesome stuff. But uh, yeah, all right. Big news to close out the show. Uh, we haven't talked much about the the uh, the Superman to Godzilla's Batman, the 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 counterpart, if you will, uh, one giant turtle known as Gamera. Uh, probably uh, it's the most well known inside of our circle, if you will. Uh, does have about twelve movies, I believe. I think that's about right. Uh, and he is turning 50 next year, because uh, the first Gamera movie came out in 1965. And everyone was kind of wondering, uh, you know, with uh, with Godzilla coming out, uh, are we going to see anything, at least on the Japanese side? If if not Gamera, is there going to be any more, you know, homemade kaiju films? And uh, we learned this week that, yes, there is indeed a new Gamera film showing up, and it's going to be a 50th anniversary film. Uh, yep, yep. So here are the details. Uh, thanks to uh, August uh, Ragone's uh, uh, blog, The Good, the Bad, and the Godzilla, uh, he has a breakdown of it, so here are the plot points that, that they have known so far. Uh, so, ooh, okay, I'm probably going to butcher their name because I'm really bad at this stuff. Uh, but uh, Katokawa stu- uh, Studios... If uh, everyone's yelling at me, it's like, it's, no, you, you said it wrong. It, mind you, it is 2.15 in the morning as I'm reading this. Uh, they have announced they will be doing a 50th anniversary Gamera film. Uh, it'll be the first since 2002's Gamera the Brave. And it will be, it has already gone into production, or it's in pre-production right now. And the tagline is, there's there's something out there. So they're they're obviously aping the the... American Godzilla in in that way, like it looks like it's gonna be a complete like uh, reboot of an, of the from at least what Gamma the Brave left off or the '90s uh, um, uh, Shizuka Kananko series. Uh, the uh, the the Gamma in this production will come to life in a and they put it in parentheses new surprising form. So pretty much he's probably gonna get a huge redesign. Um, Hopefully, you know, akin to the uh, to the '90s films, which uh, the 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 look for Part Three was the one is the look I love. Um, it's being produced by Shinigori Takitera. Again, I'm, I apologize if I'm butchering the, the hell out of these names. Um, he's gonna he's gonna be uh, uh, directing. It looks like as well. Uh, he was a uh, producer on the Common Rider. Uh, Kuga series from 2000 and the Dimension series, which I never got a chance to watch, which everyone told me it was like it was like it combined the best elements of Korean soap operas with with like giant monsters. Did, <laughs> did you ever see that? Did you have you ever watched Dimension? The 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 three dimensional. I have, I have. I'm gonna say I'm not I'm not so sure what's going on all the time. The, um, but I did. I, I think you have a pretty accurate description of what it is. Mm-hmm. But uh, you and I will have to sit together and watch watch more of it. I've been looking for like at least some sort of. I, somebody had them at one point. I didn't pick them up, and then like it came out and then it just kind of disappeared. Like nobody really was like reporting on it. And then I saw clips of it on uh, 
on YouTube. Like, no one put, like, a, a video up, but when I started reading through, it was like, there is, like, so much stuff that they added to the, It literally became a, uh, a soap opera based around um, almost, like, a, it had, like, a Sentai setup, almost uh, very... Uh, very uh not power not, not not like in the power ranger sense but more like the common writer sense but there was some giant monster action in it uh, yeah and then uh they also said that the narrative is set in modern day and pre-production is underway so hopefully yeah, so pre-production started in february oh wow so yeah so they're, they're way into it already so hopefully so, by you know if you're gonna get ready for 2015 i think february 2014 is pretty good yeah. to start there's no set release date on it yet um other than you know what what they have announced so I'm, I'm assuming it's probably gonna be like mid the gamma films did come about april or may so i'm i'm gonna take a gander that's gonna be around that time right uh the last one okay so we have the 90s series which started with uh gamma guardian of the universe then there was uh advent of legion and then it ended with uh revenge of iris which was the first like sub giant monster movie I got to see in a, in a theater. I saw that at uh, the 99 uh, G Fest. They hosted that at the Egyptian. That was an awesome screening. <coughs> Excuse me. Uh, <coughs> those films were dark as hell, and they kind of set the standard. Of what like? Oh, why why don't they do like Godzilla movies this way? This way. Uh, they kind of came close when they let the director of that film do uh, Godzilla Mothra King Ghidorah, but even then, they still never kind of hit the apex that that the that the '90s Gamera series did. And then when uh, when uh, uh, when that series ended, they took like a couple years off, and they're like, "Oh, hey, we're gonna do a um, one more Gamera film." And they decided to to try to have their cake and eat it too. So they tried to keep kind of the some of the gritty kind of like effects of the the '90s series, but make it more like kid friendly, like the original uh, '60s series was. Uh, it had mixed results. I still liked it. I thought it was a fun film, and it kept the one element of all the Gamera films, which the Gamera films are bloody as hell for a giant monster film. Even the original like sixty series, like Gamera gets like shivved like a prison inmate at least fifteen times in the seven movies that 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 they made. Like there's not one there's not one movie that goes by where his arm isn't cut open and he's bleeding like 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 a like a teenage runaway who's trying to kill herself or he's not stabbed in the chest or he's not stabbed in the back or he's impaled uh, on something. And it, yeah, and I love it because the tagline is "Friend of the Children." Yes, it, yeah, and these are all kids' movies too, <laughs> and they're just like the, the the producers they have small children in these and they're just like. Yeah, Gamera gets his arm cut off. It's no big deal. There's just green blood squirting everywhere. That's the one. That's the one aspect that I always that I loved most out of the Gamera, especially that '60 series, which was just bonkers, insane at some points. Watch Gamera versus Garen. It is, it is mind-numbingly <laughs> bad, but mine just it, it's like you couldn't do drugs to see this kind of movie. Like some, this came out of somebody's imagination, sober. The, uh, the 90s series, at least, they're like, okay, these are going to be aimed at an older audience, but they kept the level of violence up there just, just the right amount, especially like when they reintroduced Gauss, and it was just, you know, that <laughs> they, they just show them, like, often people, like, grabbing them, and, like, you didn't get, like, the full, like, of people being torn apart, but there was a lot of that implied, but still a lot of, like, masochism done to Gamera, just, like, arm cut open, just chest cut open, all kinds of stuff. 
I know, and it's terrible because he looks like children are very good at relating something to something, mm-hmm. even if you as an adult cannot see their representative, they'll be like, oh, you know, a giraffe is a fuzzy brontosaurus. And you're like, what? <laughs> no, it's not. And then you realize it's because it's got, you know, it's got long, it's got a long neck. Yeah. So children can put two and two. I think Godzilla doesn't really look like, it looks like a dinosaur, but there are no dinosaurs now. Yeah. Um, I mean, I can talk about cryptozoology, but that's another podcast. Mm-hmm. However, Gamera looks like a turtle or tortoise, whichever one you want to go with. So I can't imagine children seeing these and then going going to their local zoo somewhere in Japan and then seeing a poor little tortoise and they're just having like post-traumatic flashbacks of it's like shell cutting up. And they're like, no, little baby Gamera, what is happening to you? Because it like an actual creature that we do have that's currently present on our planet mm-hmm. Earth. Well, considering so, the, the con- I mean, well, especially considering the, considering the last Gamera movie, Gamera the Brave, Gamera does hatch as a tiny little tortoise, and they do have scenes of him with the kids like t- taking them out, and he starts, you know, he starts developing like the ability to fly. So they have this little CGI tiny tortoise with like his legs tucked in, and he's like hovering on jets and stuff. And there's a lot of that, and then like he disappears for like 20 minutes. He comes back. He's the size of like a three-story building. And then there's a <laughs> there's a giant frilled lizard-looking creature, which I always thought was yeah. uh, their stab at um, Jiris from Ultraman. Yeah. Because he actually has a similar name too. So uh, I think it is actually Jiris. I got I'm gonna look that up real quick. But yeah, I mean that thing's. Literally, like, like smashing and eating people throughout the throughout the whole film, <laughs> and it's just it's bloody as hell. And I'm just like, this is a kids movie. This I love it. I love the madness of it. God bless the Japanese. So yes, yes. And the next thing you know, you've got little kids, you know, tossing their pet tortoise in the air, hoping that little little dude will fly, and then it's just like unintentional. You know, turtle massacre mm-hmm. is happening everywhere. However, you know, like it looks, so I'm just kind of like, oh, we'll see how this film in 2015 turns out. Mm-hmm. Which is, uh, the the kaiju is called Zetas, which was a really cool design. Like, this movie had a lot of great potential. It just lagged a little bit in the middle. But the final, like, scene, like the final battles uh, at the end was exceptionally well done. Like, the whole fight between, like, uh, um, uh, young Gamera or like uh, immature Gamera versus Zetas was like it it was on on par with with just about anything Toho ever tried. Like there was the, the effects were were really good and the, the fight was nice and physical. Like they purposely didn't give Gamera like his fire breath. Like that was like a plot element. Like he hadn't developed it. And they actually they actually right. they actually kind of touched upon something that was touched upon in Gamera three where there's more than one Gamera. Like that was the kind of the focus of this film, like because in the opening you see Gamera in like seventy three or seventy four, he's fighting a bunch of gauss and he pulls a predator and goes self destruct when all the gauss are literally ripping him apart and just destroys like a whole like uh, just <clears throat> almost citywide uh, uh, swath of land when it just goes nuclear. So, I mean, there, there's a lot of the element. Like, the Gamera, like, the, the 90s added a ton of, like, cool stuff that never really got, got touched upon after those three films. And it looks like the Brave tried, but then they tried to 
pull that kid market in, which really had just gone to uh, just completely over to Sentai by then. So, I mean, that's part of the reason why we don't have, you know, um, uh, uh, kaiju films right now. It's <clears throat> mostly because, you know, Sentai and Ultraman kind of took took those slots, and kids over there in Japan are far more interested than, you know, what what at least, you know, you know American older audiences are, are interested in seeing, so... It's really sad. That's what. That's the point I'm trying to get. Oh. But new camera. I'm. I'm excited. I love. I like pop in those. Those. The, those ninety films at least. I. I, I give the the whole trilogy a watch at least twice a year. I love those films. I. They did that. And part three was still hands down one of the greatest theatrical experiences of my life because there was nothing like seeing that film for the first time in a theater full of of like kaiju fans like hardcore they're just like we need something and this is all coming a year off of the uh the tristar film so everyone you know especially in that line there was like an air of like excitement waiting in that in that line at the egyptian theater and then it's the scene when uh gamera and iris are fighting for the first time in the sky and gamera's just knocking the crap out of iris and then when iris starts shooting back all those beams he goes into the saucer mode and starts, like, just smacking the crap out of him. That got the biggest standing ovation I've ever seen in in, in any sort of film. Like, I, I've been at a ton of screenings. I've never seen people go more nuts than that scene alone. Right, right. I wish I, wish I was there in the theater with you. Sadly, was not. Yes, a spry 17, 16-year-old Chris, that... It's just, it really maybe I don't know if it's saying something about my life that that's one of the highlights of it right there. Like if I die tomorrow, like if my life flashes before my eyes, it's just gonna be me like, like eating Oreos that moment and uh, you know winning five bucks on a roulette machine in Vegas, and then pretty much that it'll just go blank. <laughs> oh no! <laughs> you know what? You have better at least at least you went out. With memories of things that you love. Uh, this is true. Uh, oh, uh, okay. So, uh, closing out the show. Uh, if you are in the greater LA area next week, um, I will definitely be there. I don't. Uh, are you going to try to attend, Jessica? I am definitely going to try to attend. Okay. Well, we'll definitely. Uh, I'm going to try for Friday night. Um, I don't know what your plans are at the moment. But there is a show going on in Burbank. It's I think it's the fifth or sixth annual. It's called Monster Palooza. Unlike other horror shows where they focus on you know just all aspects of horror, this is more of a monster makeup show where they celebrate the art of just monsters in general. So a lot of practical effects, a lot of suit you know acting. Um, there's a ton of dealers there. There's a ton of makeup artists. They have a museum where uh, effects studios bring in like props. Uh, last time I was there, there was a massive Godzilla head next to Pumpkin Head. I was just like, I was pulling my hair out because I just couldn't contain myself. Uh, it is a fantastic <laughs> show. It's in Burbank at the uh, at the airport uh, Marriott. Uh, actually, where the uh, first LA uh, G Fest was held. And, uh, yes, and also Xena convention. Oh yes, and many many Hercules and uh, Stargate conventions are held there too. Yeah, so it's a wonderful. Um, it's the Marriott Burbank mm-hmm. next to the Burbank Airport. If you guys are trying to Google that, it's a, it's it's a decent it's a decent sized venue for for the show. And I actually think the show last time I was there was I didn't get to go last year because uh, I was out of town. But the year before when I went, like literally I I in the the 
in the two years I had been going before that, like the show has now outgrown that venue. But I think they got like a good, you know, uh, standing there. So I think they feel they're they're like at the right amount. But I think they're at oversaturation to the point where they might need to expand to something bigger. We'll see um, when we go. But uh, I bring it up because they will be having a on Sunday a War of the Gargantuas reunion. And not only that, but uh, Mr. Haru Nakajima himself will be there in person. So, in, mind you, I'm not, knock on wood, the man is getting up there in age. So, this might be one of his last U.S. appearances. If you're in the area, I would definitely make it something to get out there and beat the man. He's super nice. I uh, got to meet him two years ago, fulfilling a childhood dream. And got him to sign not only my War of the Gargantuas DVD and uh, Rodan, but my, you know, uh, classic original Godzilla. I'm going to take my Criterion this time to get signed. Uh, and then You should. Yes. You should. And then, uh, not only that, but they have a ton of other, like, oh, Rucker Hauer is going to be there. You can't not want to meet Rucker Hauer. And then uh, they also have uh, uh, Kenji Sahara, who's been in just... You name a 60s Toho monster film, and he's been in it too. So he's going to be part of the uh, War of the Gargantuas uh, panel as well. Um, but yeah, it's it's a uh, it, it's a it's a it's a great show. Just the fact that it's something you could take your kids to. There's like nothing really inappropriate, and if anything, it might spark an imagination, you know, in, inside your child somewhere. Where they're like, you know, they grow up in a world where computer effects are everything now. But to see something practical and seeing people run around and like, you know, full makeup effects. Like there was a full dude in a Gilman outfit last time I was there, and I was just like, this this is. This is art right here, and it's walking around and talking to me. Not only that, but the first year I went, I ran into the quartet of J.J. Abrams, John Favreau, Edgar Wright, and Guillermo del Toro. They had all come together to just check out the show. They were just checking it out. Um, Abrams and Favreau were there with their kids, so I didn't bother to really talk to them because I have a standing. It's like, if you're here with your family, I'm not going to bug you. Uh... Guillermo, the Del Toro and Wright, on the other hand, were free for free reign, you know, in my rule book. So I uh, and Del Toro was super nice because he was getting hounded the most out of everybody there. But he he was not like, hey, you know, I just want to go look. He was just like, oh, oh, thanks, you know, thank. He was gracious to everyone that came up to him, and he took you know a couple of minutes out for everybody. So just it just another notch in how awesome that man is. But again, uh, if you do have time, go check it out. Um, you can buy tickets online at monsterpalooza.com. Uh, you can't buy tickets for the Saturday uh, for for the the Saturday slot because that is their most popular day. So they purposely don't put tickets online for that. And if you do decide to go Saturday, get there exceptionally early. I'm talking like maybe six thirty, seven o'clock because the doors open at eleven. And if you're there at that time, you're gonna be waiting like two and a half hours to get in. Uh, it, that's how long it took. Uh, took me to get in last time. So that's just fair warning. Yes, and I think it's also a great show for those who are in the cinematic arts of doing makeup, especially if you're gearing toward not just, you know, celebrity makeup art or, you know, you know, doing it for the actors, but if you're into something for, like, Supernatural, Buffy, you know, some sort of Pan's Labyrinth in the future, whether it's a little bit costume designing or just, makeup creature effect type of almost like face off mm-hmm. you know the reality show and competition i think that's a really great show to also check out because sure you may not recognize 
them by face. But, you know, like, you know, Del Toro and all those people you'll know by face. However, there are people there that are veterans of the industry, and they're amazing. Seek those people out. Go through IMDb. Look at the page, um, the Monster Palooza page, and find them and ask them questions. You know, or maybe one, if you're blessed or lucky, they might mentor you. But I think that's a great place to start, not just the education where, you know, you go to class, you do that, you go to film school. You know, you hang out at a networking event. I think this is one of those, you know, shows. It's not a trade show, but it's a great place for you to also meet people and talk to them. And like you said, it also sparks imagination in people. Maybe, you know, some girl in her 20s will help with her career, but some little kid in who's seven might one day want to grow up, you know, and be a special effects makeup artist. Oh, spe- so I think, yeah, I think it's great. Yeah, because just everything's there. Like you could, t- you could almost touch everything if it was if you you knew better than the fact that you're just probably going to get your hand slapped or at least your face punched because you're screwing with someone's uh, someone's hard work. But yeah, they actually, I mean, there there uh, there are there are companies there that you know will make you up. Like you could get into a makeup chair and they will do like a uh, a very detailed but basic you know uh, mock up of something. Like there's a ton of people to get the vampire look done. There's a ton of people to get uh, you know they'll have like the the werewolf head put on them and stuff like that. It's really awesome. And if you are a you know, uh, budding makeup artists, they do have portfolio reviews there too. So bring your work on down and get it checked out and see if, uh, your, your work, uh, holds up to, to snuff. So, all right. And if not, always ask for constructive criticism. They'll help you. Mm-hmm. Especially, yeah, especially. So, uh, that's going to do it for us for this week. Uh, Jessica, where can we find more of your work? Yes. So to start with Facebook, you can just go to Jessica and then all in one word, the comic book girl. And just there's no spaces in between. I would love for you to Facebook inbox me so I know where you saw me or met me or heard me, heard my voice. You know, be like, oh, I heard you talking to Chris on Kaiju Kingdom podcast or something. Because I'm so afraid that I might like, you know, maybe I met you somewhere and for some reason I didn't remember you. Or, you know, if we have no mutual friends in common, I might be like, why is there a random person? You know, maybe I know them from somewhere, so please inbox me and I will Facebook friend you. Um, also, thecompagirl.com and girlongeek.com. Those are websites that will also link you to all of my other like social media, like Twitter and everything. So that's another really good way to find me. And also, you know, if you want to stalk me physically i might be a monster palooza i don't know but you'll find out if we're facebook friends i might put it up on a facebook status that'll be there and then i can stalk you chris Mm -hmm. i can go and i can find you uh you can find all of my delicious work on the realmcast.com where uh i do a a good majority of uh, the writing over there uh i also host two podcasts on that uh on that particular site one is called take two that is uh hosted i host that along with uh, my good friend george cadero who is the editor of the site and that's pretty much like a like a new show we we kind of do get a little off topic every once in a while but you know for the most part we, we talk about um the the week's uh big big news and then uh, we have the regular realm cast show uh, which is more of a, just a, a topic-based show. Uh, that's like every couple of weeks we do that one. And then you can always find stuff up on uh, Panzer Crush where we currently are hosting uh, this podcast. And then uh, for our other stuff, Jessica, where can the, uh, 
if they have any inquiries to the show, where can they uh, send those inquiries to? Yes, we have a lovely Facebook page, mm -hmm. which is the Kaiju Kingdom podcast. Um, Chris, more regularly than I, uh, puts up all kinds of, not just links to our podcast, you guys, but just updated news, small you know, items here and there, like the trailer of Enormous. And you can always comment there, and then we will find you. We will comment right back for you. We will reply. Because, you know, let's all be friends. It'll be fun to do interactions. And also, another purpose of this podcast is to connect with other kaiju-loving fellows out there. We are also, if you feel so inclined, we are at the Kaiju Kingdom Podcast at gmail.com. If you don't want to post things publicly, you can always email us there. We also have a Tumblr, which is the Kaiju Kingdom Podcast.tumblr.com. And our Twitter is the Kaiju Kingdom. Uh, no podcast at the end because there is a character limit. So we are, we unfortunately can add that at the end. Those last. But it's just the Kaiju Kingdom. Those last two, you should see some activity start rolling up again. I, I have been. Um, just horribly behind on updating the Tumblr, and that's all on me. Um, just it's between my actual job and the job of running uh, Realmcast. Uh, right now, it's just a lot easier to to run the Facebook page at the moment. I do apologize if people keep going to that site. Uh, I, I, I horribly, I have not put up the last podcast up uh, link on there as well. So I do apologize. I'm going to try to get that uh, updated as, as much as possible in the near future. And the, the Twitter should be up and rolling um, in the next couple of weeks. I, I know people who probably uh, have probably followed us and they're like, you guys don't do anything on here. That's also coming pretty soon too. It's just a matter of, hey, we're, we're Jessica and I are, you know, we have our, our times stretched out outside of this. And, uh, you know, that's just the way that the dice have rolled. All right. Yes, but we will definitely do better on that mm -hmm. and definitely see more activity from the both of us. But in the meantime, if you really want to get a hold of us, the, the Facebook is the best way to go. Or email. We do check the email regularly as well. So yep. that will do it for us for this week. Uh, we thank you for tuning in. Please share this uh, with a friend if uh, if you like it. You know, just spread the love. You know, the better this does, the uh, you know the the better the shows will be. Uh, we got some we got some big things planned for the next couple of weeks, so just stay tuned. All right. So for myself and Jessica, we will see you next time.